Hello and welcome to episode six of Prog Notes, where we listen and talk about, well, screw it, you guys know what we do here. Um, well, today we're going to be... I, ha- I hate it. I hate it, Dustin. <laughs> welcome, welcome to Prog Notes, where we listen and talk about albums from the Progressive Rock Archives to hopefully inspire you to check out the album, maybe, for the first time. My name's Dustin Frost. And I'm Drew Brown. And today we're listening to Days of Future Past by the Moody Blues. Yes, we are. This is a uh, this is awesome. This is a great episode because this is actually the first episode that we've been in the same room together. That's correct. As well as the first episode of the new year. It is. It's yeah, the, Hey, lots is, of change. Yeah, lots of change. So... This, is a, this will be fun out. because whenever I say something and I can actually look over to Drew yeah. and make eye contact rather than doing this from across the country. We can like give like body language now. Exactly. We can like yeah. wink at each other. Exactly. We can make like I can like do the little like, like tap on the nose thing being like ha. Oh, get oh. out. Yeah, that means get out. That doesn't mean get out. Well, it, it does now. All right. So, well, um, <laughs> gosh. So this this is awesome. This is, this is going to be a good episode. The Moody Blues, um, man. This is gonna this is gonna be interesting because this is actually uh, not one I don't think that people would expect to be on a progressive rock show. No, and I guess yeah, like when I think when you think of prog rock, I don't think of the movie. I don't blues. think of the movie. Like, that's not one of the top yeah. ones where it's like, oh, they were one of the pioneers. But yeah. I think specifically with this album and even some of the other stuff they did, but specifically with this album, that really you c- it works. It yeah. works. It is prog rock, and I mean, oh, yeah. we're going to explain why. Yeah, there's there's definitely a reason why. So, but before we get into this, um, I'd like to take a moment, real quick, actually, just to thank everybody for for listening to the episode. If you've maybe this is the first episode that you've heard, or you've been listening to our past episodes, uh, we'd like to say thank you. Also, if you'd like to subscribe to us, that would be wonderful. As well as shoot us an email at prognotespodcast at gmail uh, We'd love to hear feedback on the show. Of course, this is our first. Uh, Pro, or this is our first uh, podcast that we've ever done together, so we'd love to hear feedback on what we can improve, what we can do better, uh, as well as what you enjoyed about the episode. So, um, so the Moody Blues. This is Days of Future Past. Right now, we're listening to the uh, kind of the middle of the album, yeah, because um, this song is awesome. But uh, this was the second album uh, from the Moody Blues, released November tenth of nineteen sixty-seven, about five months after Sgt. Pepper's. Uh, by the Beatles, which we've already listened to. Something uh, very special about this album is that it's probably one of the very first concept albums. Yeah. And it, it helped pave the way for the prog rock movement, for sure. Uh, even though some of the lyrics may sound dated and the music maybe a little pretentious, I think. Uh, it's pretentious? At, at, I mean, the music can be a little pretentious to, to the, to, I guess, to average listeners. You know, I don't know. I think I've, it's fairly accessible. It, yeah, it, it's grown on me for sure. Yeah. But it, it definitely can sound a little dated, I think. Okay. Um, musically. I All think. right. Um, but, but at the time, the album was very cutting edge. Oh, it was, yeah. It was extremely cutting edge and, and super innovative. So this album was the first record by the Moody Blues with their most stable lineup that lasted from 1967 to 1978 which these members include the drummer, Ram Edge. Um, he's also a poet, and he, he, he did the poetry um, on, on the record. That's such a fantastic part of the record. Oh, it's really The cool. beginning and ending of it. It's yeah, just, yeah. yeah. Um, and flautist and singer Ray Thomas, keyboardist and singer Mike Pinder, which is actually the guy who recited the poems. He was the guy who recited, not the drummer. The drummer right. didn't recite them. Yeah, gotcha. Um, but the, and guitarist Justin Hayward, guitarist and singer Justin Hayward, and bassist and singer John Lodge. So... Uh, the Moody Blues is this is an inter- this album is a very interesting story and I'd like to share it with everybody uh, before we delve into the music of that if that's okay. Um, so their, their first album was basically British R and B, basically having only 
one pop hit called Go Now, which I've never heard. No. I don't know if you've heard of it. I haven't either. No? Okay. No. Um, and, uh, and losing two of their members, soon to be replaced by Lodge and Hayward, there wasn't much to expect of the Moody Blues in 1967. Uh, uh, um, I saw that Hayward actually says the only reason he got into the band is because he had an amp. An amplifier. Well, I, I I also want to point out. You said his name was Justin Hayward. Just oh yeah. I'm sorry. We have to like we talked about this the other day. Idea we did. We totally agreed. I just don't see older names being Justin. Mm-mm. Like that just seems like a newer name to it me. Does like, yeah. what's up? I'm Justin. I like I, I live with like Beta Kappa, you know, Phi. Like right. I, like that seems like a frat name. Yeah. Sorry, yeah, I'm gonna get so much hate now. Everyone's gonna be gonna like, be weird. "I'm not a no, frat no, guy, I, I, and my I, I, name's <laughs> Justin." No, it's not that. It just seems more modern. Let me just it say does, that. Yeah, I mean, a guy that was born—I'm assuming he was born in the '40s, probably. Oh well, maybe, 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 maybe mid '40s. Maybe, I'm, I'm yeah. Guessing. yeah, yeah, yeah. You wouldn't expect a guy born in the mid '40s to be named Justin. Justin. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, that's, that's just so different. Yeah, it's, it's so weird. It's cool. So. Um, yeah, the only, the way the only for reason future wh- Justins, right? The only way he got into the band is because he had an amp. Is what he said. And that his name was Justin. And his name's Justin. Yeah, of course. I mean, if your name's Justin, you're surely in a band. I mean, you know, surely you can make it into a band. Dude, that's a different name. That's that's pretty modern. Yeah. We want you in the band. We want you in the band. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh. So they so the Moody Blues, they didn't they didn't have a recording contract for albums with Decca, um, which is their label uh, at the time. Uh, just a few singles because their first album, The Magnificent Moody's, was not a hit. Uh, so after the succession of singles, which were all failures, uh, they had to sell their equipment van as well as some gear, basically just to live. Um, the band couldn't afford a studio, so this is interesting. So Decca actually allowed allowed them to use the studio when it was vacant in the middle of the night. Huh. Yeah. Uh, now this isn't actually, it actually isn't that uncommon in the world of rock and roll um, for people to record in the studios when they're vacant, a.k.a in the middle of the night. Um, and I actually found a few examples of this. Um, few examples of this happening. Pink Floyd's Uma Guma. Huh. Yep. And Rush's 2112. I didn't even know that. I didn't either. I didn't even know that. Yeah, they recorded the album throughout the night. You know what, though? With what we were saying about them kind of wanting to keep it secret from the studios, mm-hmm. or, or, or the, sorry, the label. Nobody's going to show up in the middle of the night. Doesn't shock me that yeah. they decided to do it in the middle of the night. Yeah, if you guys haven't heard uh, our episode on Rush's 2112, that was our intro episode, so you should definitely go check that out, because it's a yeah. phenomenal record. So, the original idea of this album came from the record label's head of special products, believe it or not. Yeah. So... He developed, or they, the record label developed a product called the Duramic Sound System Stereo, okay? And they wanted a record that could demonstrate the capabilities of the sound system, right? So the label wanted a band to play a rock version of Dvorak's New World Symphony with Peter Knight, who, was a, who had arranged the orchestra and everything. And so the band persuaded him against it and decided to record Days of Future Past instead. And contrary to popular belief, the album was not recorded with the London Festival Orchestra because there's a lot of orchestral stuff on this record which was I mean that that orchestra was established in like the 1950s as the house orchestra for Decca the record label right so they played on a lot of Decca's you know records that they were releasing but the nutshell story is that the Moody Blues would record a track hand it over to Peter Knight who would write the orchestral link or the accompaniment and then have session players record it with very little if any run through right um and then mixes were done the final mix was put onto tape using a stopwatch to get the timing right. And then all of this was done in one week. That's nuts. That's ridiculous. I mean, when you hear all this, too, yeah. it sounds so polished, so yes. clean. 
Like, and even yeah. like, it's so bizarre to think that these session players, I mean, you know, session players are pros, right? Oh, yeah, they know pros. what they're doing, but it's still astounding to me to how clean and collected that mm -hmm. all of the, the orchestral parts on this sound, having hardly any preparation for this at all. That's and, right. And, there's, there, and it's ambitious. I mean, you hear there's a lot going on during this. Yeah. Uh, I mean, in the, in the, you know, kind of classical symphonic parts alone, there's a lot going on. And the way they blend it with kind of the moody blues playing their instruments, mm -hmm. the more rock-oriented instruments, it's just bizarre to me that this was oh, yeah. done in a week. Yeah, that's. I mean, it's crazy. That, I mean, yeah. it's just ridiculous. But, but uh, what I love about this as well is that they did right. So they, so the, the fest, you know, the orchestra did their thing. Peter Knight would arrange it, have them record it. The Moody Blues would record their track, right? And you can tell that there's never really orchestral pieces playing on top of the band. If you think so, with that context, and me, and I, when I figured that out, I went back and listened to it, and I was like, yeah, you're right. It's only ever just the orchestra or just right. the band or just the band. Yeah. Right. And so I thought it was like, you know, this, I honestly thought, when I first thought of this record, I thought this was like a massive budget record where the Moody Blues was already huge, and they were like, we want to do something big. Right. And we're going to bring on this orchestra, we're going to record this massive orchestra, and have the band play with it. That's what I was expecting when I was thinking of this album. Mm -hmm. And it just wasn't the case. This was very low budget, like we're scrapping for food kind of thing, which I thought was interesting. Um, but this is, what I love about this as well is that they did all of this in one week, right, with Peter Knight. And having Peter Knight go against the idea of what they of the of the record label wanted, and while their label thought that they were doing a rock version, you know, quote unquote, of Dvorak's New World Symphony for a stereo demonstration album, yeah, so all of that was going on when the record label thought that that actually they were recording the New World Symphony. It's kind of reminiscent of Rush's Twenty One Twelve, yeah, just yeah. kind of this it's idea. Kind of like that, screw you, yeah, kind of we're doing yeah. our thing. It's experimental. It's different. Granted, yeah. not that what they what they wanted them to do is kind of experimental and different yeah. and cool too, but Moody Blues was like, I mean, we've got another idea, thanks, but yeah. no thanks. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. I mean, it, I thought it's it's a great idea, and but I love how it kind of it's a weird story. It's not like just these four guys got together and said, that, hey, we're going to do something amazing. Like we really have this awesome idea. It was like right. almost kind of accidental. Yeah, you know, record label wants us to do this for a stereo demonstration record. Right, and we get this orchestra. We say heck with the orchestra and that song. Or right, the, you know the orchestra pieces for that, you know New World Symphony. We're going to record this and then right. release it. Yeah, you know. So and finally, uh, so Tony Clark was the man who produced the record, and I also found out that sometimes he is spoken as the unofficial sixth member, kind of like a George uh, Martin, George Martin from the Beatles kind of thing. Yeah, um, because he went on from producing this record, he went on to produce the next seven albums. Right. Them. So he's kind of their their guy, and I think this album sounds like, you know, oh yeah, audibly amazing. It does. It um, really does. And I'm sure it's been remastered. I don't know if the version that we have has been remastered or not. But so there's that's a little history on the band and the album um, going into this. So Drew, I mentioned that this is a concept album. Yeah. And so before we dive into like the actual sound of it, do you uh, do you know, recall what the the concept of yeah the future? Past it's just is? going through the day. At just just a day. Yeah. It goes through periods of the day and uh, kind of reflects on the mood that one might experience during during those periods of the day. Yeah. Which I think is remarkable. And the it's so simple. Mm -hmm. It's so simple. It really is. It's so artistically mesmerizing. It's just it's just a great idea, I think. And and they they did um, a really cool thing where they open and close the album with the same sound, the big giant 
gong. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This big, huge cymbal crash that comes in at the beginning and ends the album. Yeah. And it's, and it's perfect because that's the cycle day to day. It's like you yeah. start and then you end and then you wake up again and, you, you know, it's... Yeah. It's a great idea. It's I a great it idea. It's, brilliant. it's interesting. I kind of relate it to... Uh, to really dark side actually yeah. because dark side and this album are really the two biggest concept albums that we've done on the show so far right and this i think i would say that this is really really the first apparent concept album we talked about sergeant yeah. peppers a couple months um before well when i say months like when sergeant peppers was released a couple months before right and they were like oh this is a step towards concept albums and it was I, th mm -hmm. I think it was, but as we mentioned on that episode too, even John and Ringo were saying it's not really a concept album, right? Like the, you know, yeah, it's a it's, it's a collection of songs still, it's, yeah. You know, anyways, but this one you can tell there's a concentrated effort to say this whole album has a certain theme and it's a period of the day. Each song does that and they reflect that, and yeah. uh, I think that was a big deal. I think people were saying this is a full on story here, you know. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's more cohesive. And so I think a lot of music historians look to this as one of the, again, like I said, I, I think, I think this is the first concept album. Full on, apparent, you can tell this is a concept album. Yeah. To me, at least. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I mean, in, in terms of, I haven't heard anything else that kind of relates to that, but I'm, I'm sure that this is probably the or one of the the first. Yeah. You know what I mean? But what I love about it is that it's it's almost the, the idea. I'm not going to say that it's very elementary, but it's very simple. Yeah. To understand. Um, unlike Dark Side, which is a little bit more cerebral. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you yeah. know, this is just, it's kind of funny, but it's kind of like referencing back to like a, a logical conclusion of the Beatles, A Day in a Life. Right, right, like, right. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like it's, it's yeah. kind of like... You know, but it, but it's. I, I really like it's. The whole thing is just. It's very simple to understand. Yeah, absolutely. And you can, and you can really, and anybody can really relate to it. Yeah. As well, because of the, you know, the hustle and bustle and, and this and you know the handling all that way. Uh, right. But also, I think what, what's something that's really cool about the album as well is that the uh, each member actually contributes to the album, kind of like fragile, in right. a way. Um, by yes, which we've already reviewed that as well. Right. Um, it's it's not each member contributes not just songs for each phase of the day, right? But also adding personality behind each part. You know right. What I'm saying? But with musically and everything. So the drummer, like I said before, Graham Edge, um, right is it, poems are meditations on the day in question. Right. John Lodge captures the despair and hopelessness of the daily grind. Right desperately seeking an escape from it. Mike Pender imagines what the other side, quote unquote, is like, and that, or, and once the escape is achieved, and then Ray Thomas wrote and reflects on the innocence, on, of, or on the innocence lost, swallowed whole by the grind kind mm -hmm. of thing. And Justin Hayward questions whether it's all worthwhile in the end. Right. Huh. So they each kind of have, it's, it's, it's very similar to Yes. It's kind of, they each have their own uh, writing, throughout the record each you know with in terms of lyrics and idea and stuff right. but it's all still collaborative yeah very cohesive right you know uh especially with the amount of musical creativity that went into it right with, with everything but also we have to give a massive head nod to peter knight though mm -hmm. 
um, because of just, I mean, he wrote all of the, the orchestra, the or, or, or orchestral stuff. Yeah. yeah. And so, but, uh, but either way, let's take a listen to this thing. Which one do you want to listen to first? What do you think? Just oh. the very, very beginning. Sure. Let's listen to the very beginning. Has it has thing. a very long intro because the Absolute. first bit of it is very silent, which oh, I kind of yeah. love. I kind of love that it's very, very quiet at the beginning. Yeah, it just kind of fades in, and like there's nothing for a while, and then finally this something kind of wakes you up. It's like mm-hmm. boom, yeah, jumpstart your day right there. Yep, the day this. begins. I mean, the name of this song is "The Day Begins." Yeah, so it, it really here. Let's listen to it. quite reminiscent of a, a movie score oh absolutely it just yeah that and that beginning just as it continues it just wraps you up it, it just really wraps does. you up in a in a nice comforting little blanket i don't yeah. know it's just <laughs> it really yeah i mean it's it's, it's so it's, soothing it's warm soothing yeah, yeah it's not it's not harsh at all um and i think most of the whole record is like that i mean it's it's not as psychedelic yeah as something like Pink Floyd yeah, or, or, yeah. or some of the other things that we've listened to where it's kind right. of where there's where they really kind of went disorienting with it. Right. In terms of to the to the listener musically. But the yeah. album artwork is psychedelic. That's what's funny. That is interesting. Yeah. I mean, you know, like the you watercolor kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot of yeah, bright, vivid colors yeah. in different, you know, just crazy patterns. Yeah. Yeah. It's really cool. I mean, I, I see this being like a music like, like a score to a musical yeah. or something. Like yeah. the intro or something like that to musical, yeah. which is, which is, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting that this is considered a rock album. Right. You know, I mean, like for something like this to be explained that way, it's just, it's, it's weird. It's yeah. really, it's kind of a unicorn. Right. Um, this, uh, this record is, but yeah, the day begins is, um, it's mostly, this isn't, well, yeah, this is all orchestral besides the poem. Is that right? I think. Yes. Yeah, I think yes. you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I think the act when the band actually comes in, which is the next song, which is called Dawn. Dawn. Dawn is a feeling. Yeah. So obviously the first song that we have on the record is The Day Begins, and then it goes to Dawn, Dawn is a Feeling, which is after that. And we'll listen to that one we'll, it, since it segues directly into it. Right. I'll let that play through so everybody can listen to it right. in the background. But um, what I love, it, it's Days of Future Past is like, it's like a hodgepodge of like orchestral and rock arrangements. Yeah. You know, um, of compositions by really young musicians you know along with some spoken word poetry and newer electronic effects but somehow it all works yeah <laughs> without well, those, conflict yeah those poems are are genius i love them they're they probably great. my favorite part of the whole record is yeah. just those poems it's at the very first track and the very last track yeah is when they have them um and those are my favorite parts of the record hands down yeah yeah, listening listening to the day begins first. Like I, I, I mean, I've heard this. To be honest with you, I kind of 
sometimes I just want to get to Don Don as a feeling, so I'll skip over this one yeah, yeah. every now and then. Um, because it's, I get it. Like, I get why it's there. It's kind of, it's the setting right. to everything. It's really the intro, even though it is about five minutes long. It is the right. intro to the record, right? you know. Um, but the compositions are brilliant. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, they're brilliant when it, and when it comes to just the amount of time. That's the thing that right. comes to my mind first. Oh, it's like, we have a week. Here it is. Oh, here we go. Yeah, yeah, here we go. Cold-hearted orb that rules the night removes the colors from our sight. Red is gray and yellow white, but we decide which is right and which is an illusion. Pinprick holes in a colorless sky let insipid figures of light pass by. The mighty light of 10,000 suns challenges infinity and is soon gone. Nighttime to some, a brief interlude. To others, the fear of solitude. Brave Helios, wake up your steeds. Bring the warmth the countryside needs. Yeah. Uh, it's it's cool. It's really neat. Really neat. Yeah. It is super cool. 1967. Yeah. This is 1967. Yeah. You know, like most well, of it was like, you know, drug heavy and kind of summer <laughs> of love sort of deal and you know, the weird psychedelic stuff. Right. But not this. Yeah. Like, this is very enchanting. Well, yeah. And I know? think part of the reason you can consider it Prague, as we mentioned in, you know, previous episodes, is that um, a lot of prog incorporates a lot of classical influence, and I don't think there's any better way to represent that than this album right here. Yes, you know, and and you hear it in other in other stuff too. You know, you hear it in all the other stuff too. But this is the best example of that, I yeah. think. Here we go. This is this is Dawn as a feeling. It, it, I know it obviously segued straight into it, um, but this is the first time the band shows up uh, in, into the song a little bit later throughout this or. In the middle of this track, mm-hmm. um, but to, to touch it back on what you were saying, though, with with kind of the effect on it and why it's con- why it may be considered progressive rock, right? There we go. There's the band. Kicking back in here. Yeah, yeah. I like how they enter they enter this in Mellotron and everything. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, and the Mellotron is heavily used in this album too. Oh yeah. Which oh, again yeah. for the pioneers, we mentioned this in previous episodes too, but for pioneers that that was a big, big. instrument in this whole prog rock movement. Yeah, oh yeah. To start out with at least. Oh yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. I bet but go back to what you were saying with that. I think without this album, and this is interesting, think about this for a moment. I don't think certain bands, uh, like maybe uh, like Yes or Genesis or or even Pink Floyd may not have gone progressive. Right, because all of those bands started out being more bluesy or maybe psychedelia, right, or, or something like that. Yeah, um, and pop. I mean, Genesis was like a Brit pop band, hmm. kind of. I mean, if, I mean, if you heard their first record, um, yeah, it's still weird. It's, Even that, it's kind of weird. Still weird. Yeah, but, um, but I believe like uh, with this album, along with King Crimson, of course, because they were they were just 
already progressive from right. the start because we already listened in Court of the Crimson King. Right. And that was their first record. And so I think that something like this, as well as King Crimson, of course, really hate, helped shape uh, future bands to actually start going a more progressive route. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think this was a big, a very influential album. Oh, yeah. To be sure. Yeah, for sure. And this is cool. And even, okay, so I might kind of attack maybe the elephant in the room for this, but like, you know, thinking, okay, we're thinking this is a rock album. This is pretty slow. Right. You know, can be pretty slow. I think some could also say that it might be boring. Yeah. Maybe. Um, yeah. But there is still, it gets there. You know, I mean, I, I think I think that there's a lot of upbeat moments. Yeah. Of, of the album because it's, it's talking about a day, right? Right. I mean, right now we're listening to the day begins and the dawn, right? So right now right. we're just getting out of bed. Yeah, so exactly. So to speak, you know. But the next track, obviously, we go to the morning and then we go to lunch, the afternoon, the evening, and the night. Right. So, and it's very easy to follow that just with the names of the of the songs. Yeah. You know, they're all titled the morning, lunch break, the afternoon, evening, the night, and then they yeah. have their other subtitles and stuff like that. Well, it. and that's, it's interesting you mentioned that, that term boring because I totally get where someone would say that. Mm-hmm. Yep. This Me is too. not what I you mean, think of when you think of rock music yes, exactly. at all. Exactly. But I mean, you know, I love this album. This is one of my favorite albums. Um, oh yeah. I Me think too. it's terrific, but I, I get it. I get it because, but I think also this is a good kind of segue for someone if they don't really like classical music that much you you might want to give this record a listen because this is a good kind of middle ground i think yeah. between it it's a blend of both yeah it's a blend yeah. of both it's a good way to to step into the pool yeah absolutely um, it's really cool it just kind of fades out right there mm-hmm. and then we move and then we move into the morning mm-hmm. i love this because it's it reminds me like this right here and the flautist he's so uh, this is brilliant. It, like this oh, it reminds is. me of like a Disney movie. Yeah. <laughs> of, I, I, and I don't watch a whole lot of Disney, so <laughs> I'm trying to think of maybe what this may reminisce. I don't know. know. When oh. I think of classical music and Disney, I think of Fantasia just right off the bat. Yeah. You know? I'm, I'm thinking more of like I mean with the flute and everything. It just sounds very um, kind of like the. And this right yeah, here, up, just up and getting yeah. ready kind of thing. Sounds it's, like a character. Get some pep in your step, Drew. Jovial. You know? <laughs> yeah. Like a very jovial character just bouncing around on the screen, you know? Yeah, yeah. kind of like birds and yeah. stuff like that. And kind of kind of like an Alice in Wonderland sort you of know, thing. I, you might say that this is a moody album. Oh, Probably my the moody gosh. blues. Gosh. Shoot. That's good. Thanks. Yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> gosh. I like I like this song. I think the mel- the the melodies of this, you know, outside of the orchestral, because we've we've you know talked about the orchestral parts of this record. Outside of that, the Moody Blues and their writing, I think, is also really really great. Yeah, um, and, you know, Peter Knight did a phenomenal job. The orchestral pieces are are excellent. Um, the players that played on it, like props to all of them because right. they're crazy for being able to do all of that in a week. Yeah. Um, but the band, the band stuff is still great. I yeah. love the, the, the melodies, um, the vocals. I actually really like the vocals. It's really cool how they, they do a cool amount of kind of oohs and ahs in the background, mm-hmm. and it's super ambient and atmospheric. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's cool. It's and really cool. The, the band is... Uh... Yeah, I love that. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I had to listen to it again. I interrupted. That little, that little, just... I know. That flute, that flute is just super cool. Yeah. 
with the whole band and everything playing in the background. Yeah. But it's cool that they have multiple vocalists as well, kind of like the Beatles. Yeah. You know. All f- uh, four out of the five of them sing. I think the only one that doesn't sing is actually uh, the drummer. Yeah. That's the only one. Interesting. Yeah. And, and you and can they, tell. They have oh, yeah. pretty distinct voices. It's kind of like a Beatles thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I think sometimes, honestly, sometimes I can't even tell which one is John and which one's Paul. Right. And, and some of the Beatles stuff. Well, I've like, gotten used which, to it. Yeah, you probably know it better than I do. But starting out, yeah, it's difficult to yeah, tell. Yeah, this one you could, I mean, like one of them's a baritone and then the other one's a tenor. Right. You know, like you, you could really tell the different voices. Right. And they, and they use them specifically, you know, pretty well. Yeah. Uh, which is which is awesome. But The Morning, I, something that this song, I'm, gonna, I'm actually going to crank Aren't up you happy bit. to wake up? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's like, the kind of mood it sounds like. It's just super happy. and Yeah. It's a it's a very it's a pretty joyful record. There's not a whole lot that's even even like the. Uh, I think this is the happiest one on yeah. the whole album. Yeah, it's and, just yeah. Yeah, it is. I think so. I, the, I I can't wait to. I really want to listen to uh, the evening because I really want to pull out kind of that like that eastern. Very kind of sound, sound kind of tribal. Yeah. And the types of drums they use there are very low end. Yeah. Just. You know, it's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Where did you first find this record? Like, who 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 introduced it to you? I think, not surprisingly, it was my sister again. She was on Sgt. Pepper's. It That's was right, Rachel. Yeah, Rachel. Yeah, That's cool. Yeah. How long, how long ago did you hear it? Oh gosh, around the same time I think that I heard "Selling England by the Pound" by Genesis. Mm-hmm. Uh, had to have been maybe. Maybe either junior or senior year of college. Uh, not college, um, of high school, I think. I think. But it was a while ago. But it was one of those where I had to give it multiple listens. So Dark Side was an instantly gripping piece of work for me. But when I heard Days of Future Past, it didn't grip me because, like you said, it was funny, you know, it's funny you mentioned earlier that some people could consider this boring. And that's kind of how it was for me to start with when I first heard it. Yeah, it just didn't grab me, and there were other things I wanted to do, and you right. know, um, it was hard to listen actively to this at first. Yeah, and then the more I heard it, I really got into it, and this quickly became one of my one of my favorites. Yeah, I really love this record. Yeah, there's it's it's very um, it has it has the orchestral obviously obviously it has the orchestral you know uh, parts to the record, but it's also pretty poppy when it comes to like the actual the singing and the melodies and everything yeah it's not you know the the band is still i mean they just came from doing an r&b record so they i think they brought some of that taste into this into this record right uh rather than screwing around with weird chords and yeah you know messing around with awkward sound effects and stuff like that even though they did use them but it's just a very accessible concept album. Yeah, they and we mentioned even with Sgt. Pepper's too. This isn't one of those like virtuosic records where you're no. like, okay, it's prog in the sense more so that it's uh, you know the conceptual um, execution. The execution yeah. of this is very conceptual, and 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 what it is is very progressive in a sense. But we also mentioned way back on the Rush one that a band like Rush is is very virtuosic and and so is uh, a band like yes like all the musicians on there mm-hmm. do some avant-garde stuff and they are you know they do some complex stuff 
you know, a lot of the times I look to, especially the drumming, you know, uh, is this a right. weird, is this an odd time signature mm-hmm. or, you know, what kind of fills are you doing here? But this, this isn't one of those where I think, okay, these are masterful musicians on their instrument. You know what I'm saying? Yep. With the members of the band compared to some of those other iconic legends where they clearly execute their, their incredible prowess on their instrument. So, yeah. but it's still, it's still progressive. It's still progressive. So yeah, absolutely. So we'll take a, a really quick break here. We're going to listen to evening, the sunset twilight time, which is one of gosh. See, I can actually look at you now when I'm talking, which is just, it's stuff. not a good idea. That's really bad. It's really not a good idea. I'm sorry. Either way, we're going to listen to evening just for a little bit. This is one of my favorites. <laughs> take a little bit of a longer break on that one because I had to get to that I, I wanted everybody like everybody really needs to hear that just the detail in that in that intro with all the little bells and the, and the harp kind of subtly you know adding in these musical embellishments yeah it sounds more tribal it, uh, this does I love yeah. it I love this this is one of my this is this one the last three on this record are my favorite it's hypnotic. This oh, part yeah. right here is... I don't think there's a better word to describe that. I just think of it like someone trying to hypnotize someone else. This music comes into play. Yeah. It's just... Yeah. It reminds me, it reminds me of like a snake charmer. Yes, is that's it, what... Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's super cool. Yeah. But because it's totally just reflective of... I mean, it's a complete 180 of just the other, like the hip-de-doo kind of yeah. run-down-the-street little thing. Yeah. This is, but it also is very fitting for the evening. Right, you know, it's, it's it's the evening, the sunset, twilight. So it's kind of like the sun's going down. You know, it's it's this, yeah. It's re- the imagery that that comes in my mind for this song is super cool. Yeah, um, and and it's uh, it it seems very intentional. Yeah, that way also and freaking flute with that too, man. It's like yeah, it, oh, it's so cool. There's there's so many small little details that um. I call them musical embellishments because they're not like riffs or anything yeah. like that. It's just kind of like let's throw some glitter over here, yeah, and uh, yeah, let's yeah, yeah. cut out a little piece of this, and yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's I um, get that, yeah, yeah. And so it it keeps it interesting for me um, because I'm one to get pretty bored with mm-hmm. uh, let's say for something like pop music um, when we just got like a you know it's right. just, just kind of like the same, but this is more uh, flavorful. Yeah, flavorful it's, is a good word. Yeah, it's got it's got you know some of this cumin, you know. Then we're gonna. Oh throw my gosh! Salt, you know, maybe we're gonna boil this up a little bit. You in know, drop in an another life, in Dustin Frost was a chef. I was. He was. <laughs> um, in another life, for sure. I haven't lived that life yet. You'll get there. Um, but in another life, 
<laughs> You'll get there. In another life, I was a I was a chef. I love using food references when going to uh, music. Apparently, yeah, uh, yeah, I which mean, is interesting. You know, uh, fuse that in there. That's right, you know. But you know, all all the food aside, um, the the musical embellishments, especially of this song, are one of my favorites. Uh, but then we also from this and going from that kind of tribal thing, we then go into this kind of like upbeat which is going on right here yeah and I love kind of like the, the piano and, and the drums start to really kick in a little bit yeah and then this is really more the psychedelic kind of vocal yeah thing. we got the ahs in the background but yeah. also we got the weird reverbs and stuff playing out yeah which is awesome to me uh, but also I mean it's like I said it's one of my favorites um, and the lyrics too it's really it's yeah you can sing along to it and it fits really well. Yeah. And so it's got it's got its moments throughout it that kind of puzzle together with the orchestral and the rock movements. And, yeah. Um, I love it. I love this song. It's it's one of my favorites. It's it's like I said, last three. The afternoon, Tuesday afternoon, or yeah, or whatever. People I guess people call it Tuesday afternoon. Yeah. But the actual song is called The Afternoon, Forever Afternoon Tuesday, Time to Get Away. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this is. I love this one. What's which one is your favorite on here? Do you have Do you have a favorite out of the yeah, seven songs? Out of like songs themselves, fully yeah. probably peak hour at lunchtime. Peak hour, yeah. But that's the one we opened with. Yeah, but like I said earlier, my favorite moments, just the small moments in the whole record, is the is the poetry. Just the oh, yeah. reciting that that poetry. It's brilliant. I love his voice and I love the words. Yeah. Yeah, Mike Pender, the, uh, the bassist. Yeah, bassist and the uh, vo- and one of the vocalists reciting the drummer's poem. Right. Um, and yeah, it sounds it sounds great. It's a great sounding record. So and, and and to go with the sound of the actual record itself, it sounds. I I I honestly rate it, when it comes to the actual production of a record, I put this one over Sgt. Pepper's. With the with the overall sound of it, I love the way everything is mixed and how everything kind of has its space, but also sounds very wide and open. Right. Um, and there's certain moments on that with Sgt. Pepper's, and I really, really love those moments. Uh, but as an, as a whole, I think this record is one of the best sounding records in the '60s. Period. Huh. Yeah. Um, just with the, it's it's. Everything that the orche- the orchestras up front, you know, they they sound really like you're sitting right in front of them. You know, the band does a really good job, and the blends with the band and the orchestra, it doesn't. It sounds like they are with them. Yeah, it does. It sounds like they're with them in the room, maybe. Yeah. Uh, and I really I enjoy that because if it didn't sound, it would sound weird. Yeah. Obviously. So I really like how it all, how the the band and the orchestral and the orchestra, excuse me, blends. Right, you know, and from um, what you said earlier, just based on the context you gave, it seems like it wasn't a huge budget, and they didn't have the London Symphony Orchestra yeah. or anything. You know, this yeah. was kind of uh, this was kind of MacGyvered together in a sense. You yeah. know, this was kind of a last minute. We're going to do this in a week. We're supposed to be doing something else, but we're not. Mm-hmm. And really quickly, let's slap this together. But that's so funny. Like you know, from that story, it sounds like it should be slapped together, but it doesn't sound slapped together at all. No. It sounds so well thought out. Yeah, and and that 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 really goes to 
the mixing. Mm-hmm. Really, they're really because you have to make it sound coherent. Right. And the only way you can do that is in the production. Right. You know, and so without that, this record would sound absolute. This could have been a bust, like in terms of like recording it and having the orchestra and, and all of that. This could have been an absolute just failure. Yeah. Um, it had all right to be a failure. They didn't have a lot of time. Yeah. You know, uh, and honestly, I don't even know if the band really did anything with the orchestra. Right. I mean, all we know is that it was, it says on the front of the cover, arranged by Peter Knight. Right. You know, composed and arranged by Peter Knight. So I don't even know what the Moody Blues did in terms of the orchestra. I right. guess they just came in and they heard it and they were like, cool, let's slap that right. on there. Let's go record our next song kind of thing. Right. It's super cool. That's awesome. So, well, Drew, what is, uh, what, what is your favorite, I guess, aspect to, to Days of Future Past? Like why 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 is it considered one of your top ten or, or one of your favorite albums? I wouldn't. I'll, I'll answer it this way. I, I I wouldn't like this album if it weren't for the orchestra in it. Same. Which is a huge part of it, obviously. But yeah. like I I mean, you think about just the Moody Blues songs on there alone, standalone. Mm-hmm. They for me, they don't work on their own. They need yeah. to be surrounded by the tapestry that Peter Knight gave it. Yeah. With the orchestra. I agree. Uh. Which is horrible to say. Like, part of me feels bad about saying that, but it's just true for for this record. And to be honest, I, I think it's the other way around too. If this were just the symphony, it's just so weird how the others enhance. Like, okay, the orchestra enhances the moody blues and vice versa. Yeah, that's what works so well about this album. That's why I think it's one of my favorites ever. Is that there's not a better representation of like two contrasting pieces of or genres really of music working together. And really making each other look better. Yeah. No one outshines the other. It's like, yeah, I love that orchestra part. And you know what? It's perfect that it goes into this kind of more upbeat, you know, uh, I pop, agree with you. pop rock genre. So I think that's why I really love this record. And that's why I think a lot of people should should listen to it is because it's a perfect, perfect example of that. Yeah, it's it sounds phenomenal. It doesn't sound like it's from the 60s, you know. And so and I think that's... Um, uh, I think for uh, for some people, they just don't like, or, or you know, they're used to the modern, full sounding kind of stuff, and so maybe it's you know, some music in the '60s may sound thin, right? You know, or it it, it just sounds old, right? You know, if if you don't, if you can't really recall what that means, it just sounds kind of old. But this doesn't. It sounds full. It sounds it's awesome. It sounds in your face, uh, very just open, and on top of the way that it sounds, the writing of it is just brilliant yeah with, they, and, and they, you're right I, I love how the 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 two contrast because i i do i do like or uh, just purely symphonic and purely orchestral music mm-hmm. um i enjoy that uh and i also enjoy kind of the the pop kind of or really the 60s pop you know the beatles stuff right, like that right um and the mood blues are definitely i would say in that category uh especially during this time of Right, this period, the nineteen sixty-seven specifically, but the combination of taking two two elements that I enjoy into one record is uh, very uncommon. Yeah, I don't see that very frequently. Yeah. They suck you into this very unique world that they've constructed. Yes, yeah. and it's really not even a world; it's just a day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just a day. But it's so great because that day is, consists of many different moods and everything, and yeah. it's complex. It's, it's a, yeah. It's great. So, well, hopefully you all enjoyed listening to uh, to this episode. Uh, we would love to hear from you guys. And if, if you haven't listened to this album, you can contact us at prognotespodcast 
at gmail.com if you'd like to uh, give us a little rating or tell us what you thought of the album. If you if you disliked it, maybe you like it just as much as we do. Next episode, Drew, we're gonna go ahead and decide what we're gonna do it right now. We haven't even talked about it, but we're gonna we're gonna figure it out. We've got a couple on the plate. We got a couple of them. Did you say you mentioned to me at one point wanting to do Selling England by the Pound? I think, yeah. You I want to do, do that. I want to do a Genesis record. All right, that's like my third favorite. Yeah, ever. Yeah, if I'm listing like okay, these are my top. It's for sure in my top five. Oh yeah, for sure in my top five. Oh yeah. So let's do that. All right, How about cool. that. You want to do that? Yeah, yeah. Let's do that. I'm down. Let's I'm do down. It. So next episode, we're going to be doing Selling England by the Pound by Genesis. It'll be the first Genesis record that we've done. Well, I've been Dustin Frost, aided by Drew Brown. Join us next time as we discover the past, present, and future of progressive rock. Thank you guys for listening so much. We will see you guys next time as we uh, dive into Genesis. So thank you, and we will see you guys soon.